morning. Welcome to the Australian Early Finance Briefing for Tuesday the 17th of November. My name's Nick here in Melbourne. Well, yesterday was a bit of an embarrassment for us here in Australia. We had the ASX equity exchange down for almost the entire day. It crashed just before 11am and did not reopen. Real embarrassment and also quite annoying for us wanting to trade the S&P 500 in the US hit a record high, very unable to access that through ASX listed instruments. Then we've also got now the Moderna, if we wanted to position in advance of the Moderna announcement, too bad we couldn't do it. Incredibly frustrating for us and there's a lot of questions that need answering here. The ASX is largely a monopoly in Australia. The ASIC and the RBA are the sort of two regulatory bodies that regulate this monopoly. but Clearly something isn't working and this is not the first time, it is not a one-off. In fact, over the last, just over the last month, there has been three sort of critical outages. This is obviously the worst one, but they had the announcement news feed fail on the 2nd of November. And then also their website, their new website crashed when it was sort of initiated on the 12th of October. These are critical things, you know, at the core of our sort of market system here in Australia, and it's just completely unacceptable that this is going on. It's interesting, the AFR mentions that the ASX had only closed in three previous occasions in 10 years, yet we've now had two closures in the last four years. So reliability is, is not getting better, and there's a lot of issues, and it does really make you wonder whether it would have been better that ASX actually did get sold to the SGX, the Singaporean Exchange, back in 2011. It was blocked by then Treasurer Wayne Swan on sort of you know foreign interest grounds, but that really has left it just on its own devices and seems to be run by a bunch of incompetent people, and definitely does bring into question, particularly the CIO's position, whether he can stay in that with this sort of nonsense going on. ASIC have come out with a statement saying they want a full incident report. Yes, they're regulated. Of course, that's what they should be asking. Their statement says ASIC views outages of this nature with significant concern. It has had a significant impact on the market, including market participants and investors. Well-functioning financial market infrastructure is critical to the integrity and reputation of Australian equity and the trust and confidence investors have in the market. So there's that there. It's interesting what the ASX says. They, they're sort of deflecting a bit onto NASDAQ, which, which is apparently the software provider. So ASIC, oh, sorry, ASX and its technology provider NASDAQ have identified the root cause and a resolution path to fix it. They say the refresh is the latest generation of NASDAQ-developed trading system used around the world. But there's definitely a lot to be answered there by the CAO and the CEO and the board, whether they're properly governing the executive team. Moving to the RBA now, the Reserve Bank Governor, Dr. Philip Lowe, made his first speech yesterday following the big announcement two weeks ago for the new QE program. And he, he made some interesting points, basically sort of further justifying the QE program and, and why that is essentially currency, got to keep the Australian dollar lower. The QE programs launched by other major economies such as the US, Europe, Japan, etc. 
will just naturally force up our dollar, which will just smother any sort of economic recovery here, and that needs to be quashed. So he says, if we had sought to ignore this gravitational pull, there would have been obvious implications for our exchange rate and our economy. If our interest rates were higher than in the major countries, there would be stronger inflows into Australian dollar assets, and this would put upward pressure on our exchange rate. This in turn would make it harder to make the needed progress on jobs. Absolutely. It does sort of bring into question a bit sort of the autonomy of, of sort of G10 currency central banks. What They really just have to follow the pack because if you get these countries doing these extreme QE measures, it's just either going to cause currency spikes in, in, in other liquid markets such as the Australian market. And it's sort of, you know, everyone has to, will have to do the same and they don't want the, the severe damage done to economies by overpriced exchange rates or even extreme currency volatility is not good for business confidence and investment decisions. So it seems like an indication that he will be doing whatever else everyone else does to an extent to ensure that Australian dollar doesn't get too high. Then he does go on a little bit about government or corporate private sector investment. So he says it is important that we guard against becoming too risk adverse. But if businesses are to seize the opportunities that are out there to grow and to increase Australia's productive capital base, some degree of risk taking is necessary. He's probably alluding to the declining corporate investment and capital investment we've seen in Australia over the last 10 years. Corporate Australia is focused on stock buybacks and that's about it, not building new factories, new plant, new, new you know, investments in Australia. He also goes on a little bit about the real estate markets. Really interesting, certainly something I've been banging on about here in Melbourne. If you look on realestate.com.au, at the moment there is 15,000 empty apartments for rent. That's just for rent, not for sale in the Melbourne CBD and the South Bank Docklands sort of class of CBD area. So it's extremely high. There's collapsing asking rates for rents, collapsing prices. It's essentially, you know, looking like the perfect conditions for a crash. But what he, he Philip Lowe mentions is that, yes, that's a problem here, but you go out a couple of suburbs, even to sort of Richmond and the nearby suburbs, prices are going up because people want to, you know, working from home or they want a backyard, those sorts of things. He says the apartment markets are more affected by lower population growth and fewer foreign students and by young adults staying at home with their parents. There has also been an increase in demand for houses as people work from home. But he says it's, it's quite complex. There's sort of two different sort of markets going in opposite directions. He says a recession, low population growth, record low interest rates, substantial government incentives to support residential construction and changes to the way people work, shop and live is really yeah, causing a lot of weird things going on in the property market. He says, so there are a lot of moving pieces at present and the effects are very uneven across different types of property and across the country. So you're yeah, most interesting, we, yeah, a good study to see what happens, how, how the market's going to handle these extreme sort of different, different movements all at once. That's your early update for Tuesday. Let's hope the market reopens this morning have a good day.
This podcast is for investment professionals only and should not be relied upon by private investors. The podcast is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial advice. The values of investments can go up or down, so you may get back less than you initially invest.